0: Welcome to Understanding Aged Care, a show all about those difficult end-of-life conversations and navigating aged care. My name is Rachel Corbett and I am joined by the Director of Aged Care Planners, Andrew Kay. This episode, Andrew...
1: ...is all about getting organised.
0: It is. This is the document bit where we talk about legal things and we promise it's not going to be boring.
1: This is the scary part where people hear terms like power of attorney and enduring guardianship. Yawn! (laughs) Yawn, indeed, eyes roll. However, they are critically important and without them, you can find yourself in a really, really difficult situation.
0: So let us begin with the hit list of documents that you need to be thinking about and let's be clear that you need to be thinking about this when your loved ones can still have those important conversations.
1: They have to be able to have these important conversations. They need to have legal capacity in order to create these documents. Legal capacity means if they've got early stage dementia, they may still be okay. If the dementia is more advanced, they can't do it. They will not be considered to have legal capacity. Legal capacity is a really hot topic amongst lawyers at the moment because a number of them have been sued and challenged over... Questions on the capacity of the person that either entered into an agreement, contract, power of attorney and other things. Lawyers and solicitors are very focused, very intent on ensuring that the person that they're doing the power of attorney and guardianship for understands what it is that they're doing and providing instructions on. So if a crisis occurs, knowing where all the important information is kept and ensuring that the right people know where it is, is going to significantly reduce the stress in that event. The right people can be family members, they can be care workers, they can be trusted friends. Often I'll deal with two or three friends that have been given power of attorney to help that person because they've got no other living relatives.
0: Quick side note, is being a power of attorney as somebody's friend a bit of a punishing job? It can be. Right, okay, good. Just good to know. (laughs) Well, what we've done is, particularly if
1: they've got complex financials, and I often end up in a standoff with some financial advisors, self-managed super funds, a massive issue with capacity and cognitive capacity. And if you're power of attorney and the person has a self-managed super fund, you will be taking over as trustee of that fund. That is not a job that you necessarily want to have. Mm. The other issue that we face is that more often than not, and I'm not trying to be gender centric, but often he has been the one that's wanted to Mm -hmm. go out there and do the investing and do the trading. And mum has sat back passively. Suddenly, mum is the sole trustee Mm. and she's responsible for these decisions in running a self-managed super fund my immediate response is wind it up close it either transfer it into a very simple clean fund or avoid the death duty in australia which comes from inherited superannuation through to non financial dependence
0: gosh it is, so it is a quagmire what's our hit list for things that we need to okay. get sorted hit list is
1: to help you get organized, you need some checklists, okay? We all work better on lists. The first point I do with families is say, listen, get your emergency contact list organized. Who are you going to call if something goes wrong? Do you know who mum and dad's accountant is? Do you know who their solicitor is? Do you know who their doctors are for the varying medical conditions that they will be adding one to every year as you get past the age of 80, mm-hmm. okay? It's a it's an accumulative process. So what you want to do is make sure you've got the medical profile mapped down. Who are the doctors for what conditions? What medication are they on? Put that on the fridge, particularly if you're going to start getting home care in and help in. If there's a crisis event, you need to know medications, doctors, conditions. It's on the fridge. The ambos can see it. When they come in, it's going to help them enormously. Who are the emergency contacts? So again, on the fridge next to the medical profile, are you the child, the first point of call? Who's the solicitor? who's the accountant? Who's the second default that you're going to call if there's an emergency or a crisis? Estate and financial management really important. We're going to go through those individually right now. So the first one is the power of attorney. Okay, now power of attorney is an enduring power of attorney, as different to a general power of attorney. The enduring power of attorney is someone that you legally appoint to help you manage your financial affairs while you're still alive or actually take over managing your affairs if you're no longer capable of doing so. It takes force, or it's invoked, if you like, if you lose capacity to make informed decisions.
0: So if you put it together and you are still in the stage where you can do all of the things that you need to do, you are not going to be in a situation where somebody can come in and drain your bank account.
1: No, and you should not appoint someone that you may even assume that that's a risk these are people that need to know you really well that need to know what your wishes are what your thoughts were what you would do in certain situations they need to know you that well they need to be people you trust just because he's the firstborn son doesn't mean he's the right person to be a power of attorney. He probably still wants to have a beer in the afternoon, smoke a joint, go for a surf. Not the person you want <laughs> running your affairs.
0: Okay? Can you put, make a solicitor a power of attorney? You can make
1: a solicitor a power of attorney. Would Absolutely. you
0: need to pay them to do that? Right? No,
1: they can't be paid. Oh, okay? okay. Some look in some instances about one percent of it, but most don't get paid for doing that. Okay. Okay, the power of attorney is invoked, there needs to be a letter that says you don't have capacity, this power of attorney is in force. So the process I take families through is who within the family would make a good attorney? Who do you trust? If there are some trust issues, you might make two of the children or three of the children power of attorney. They can have powers to act independently or individually, or you can make it that all three need to sign. Where all the powers of attorney, all the attorneys need to sign becomes an issue is if families disperse. Kids leave home and they move offshore. You might have a son in America, you might have a daughter in in the UK, and you've got another couple of kids in Australia. If they're all required to sign and you need to do it in a hurry, you need to do something in the next few days, it's going to be impossible to get done. So making that decision, thinking hard about the actual application of using that power of attorney to help you think hard about it. Most often you have a couple of kids, they get on well, they can both sign, they can do it individually. They'll talk to each other and they'll just agree and act.
0: And you just get that drawn up with a solicitor. You right?
1: get a solicitor to draft that. Yeah. It's an enduring power of attorney. The reason you're doing it is you might have an accident. And yes, accidents happen and yes, every person that's had an accident was the one saying it's not going to happen to me. You may suddenly become ill, you may become incapacitated it means that you've got to have someone that you can trust to manage your financial affairs.
0: And when you get to the end of life or things, you know, you're having to organise stuff, newsflash, you do need somebody to do your banking and to get access to money and transfer things around. And and if you can't get access to that, you're in all sorts.
1: And you're going to find that financial institutions, as of the beginning of last year, with a focus on elder abuse, have got processes in place that really mean that you've got to Invest time to get yourself registered with that financial institution. Get their power of attorney in there. Do it while the sun's shining. Take mum and dad down to the bank. Let them know that simply by registering you, getting the power of attorney there, doing all your identifications, getting set up in that branch doesn't mean that tomorrow you can walk in and empty their bank account. It means that if something goes wrong, you can actually go in there and start managing things, paying for home care, paying for residential care, doing those things. You don't want to be trying to do this while mum's in hospital and you're walking in having this conversation in the car park trying to work out what to do because mum can't sign that form anymore. Then we've got guardianship. Guardianship is the one that enables someone to make life decisions for you. This is decisions such as where you live, what doctors you're going to go to, what medical or dental treatment you might be about to receive as well. You may appoint more than one person to act as Enduring Guardian as well. And also, if it's family members or friends, you want to break the workload, you need to give you know that power to two or three people so that it's not entirely reliant on one person.
0: And again, no doctor's going to ask the advice of your Enduring Guardian before they've asked you. Like, this is when you can't make those decisions, think for anybody that's fearful of, don't come in and make decisions on my behalf when i still can
1: correct and most often or not you would be with the elder that's that's given you guardianship or or appointed you as an attorney with the doctor and so forth and you'd be having a discussion and the doctor would clearly see Mm. that there is a case for doing it the next big one is the advanced care directive This used to be called a "do not resuscitate." Uh, In the in the good old days, there is a national template on this. Doctors love it, and doctors want it. The last thing a doctor wants is family members squabbling in the hospital when a procedure is required over whether or not that should be done, and delaying it. The impact can be catastrophic. On the elder waiting for that medical treatment. So they're often called living wills. It's a different document to an enduring power of attorney. It's a different document to guardianship. It needs to provide your wishes and the directions as to what medical treatment you would want and in a clear set of statements. And this is to provide guidance. It provides guidance to doctors and the family in the event of emergency when you can't say so yourself. Okay, so really important. You can prepare an advanced care directive with your doctor, the earlier you do it means you don't have to think about it again.
0: Okay. So you would have that as a separate piece of paper. With it's a your separate power piece of attorney. paper.
1: It sits in the kit. I recommend to clients when we're at the very early stages of the planning that they get a folder, and that folder is the estate folder. And in that is all the medical checklists, all the other checklists that we've just discussed. We've got all the financial details, just a summary what bank, what accounts what superannuation, what pension, investment properties, where the title deeds are held, all those things, mortgages, everything contained in that one folder. Keep them as up-to-date as you can. You would also include in that your power of attorney, your enduring guardianship, your advance care directive, and your will. So wills are a legal document to enable you to state what your wishes are as to how you would like your assets to be distributed after your death. So wills can be very, very simple. I leave everything I've got to my wife. There's nuances around that. If it's a full-age pension couple and you leave all your assets to your wife or your share of your assets to your wife, she'll probably lose a pension when you die. A good family conversation can help you structure the will so that you can actually preserve the age pension on death of one party and still have their wishes reflected and still make sure you've got funds there to care for the the survivor.
0: Is that why you should go and hire the help of a lawyer rather than walking into the post office and getting a free Uh,
1: will thing? I would firmly recommend using an estate lawyer. It's a cheap investment if you care about your family or your spouse or your partner. If you die without a will in place, how your estate is distributed may not reflect your wishes. It's going to be done by someone that never met you, Mm. that doesn't know you at all. It'll be done by most likely trustee and guardians. It will also take a lot longer and could be considerably more expensive for your estate to be administered if you don't appoint someone to do it themselves. And if you have major changes in your life, review your will. Divorce is the big one. The number of times people have forgotten to change their wills on divorce, that then That should, they be, your should be your first port of call. It should be your first port of call. If you don't have your estate documentation, if you lose mental capacity without appointing an enduring power of attorney or a guardianship or drafting your will, your family is going to be required to apply to the court, either Supreme Court or State Government Tribunal, NCAT in New South Wales, VCAT, in Victoria, who are going to appoint someone to represent you. That person's never met you. They don't know you. They don't know your family, but they're suddenly going to be sitting in there making decisions on your behalf. Your family members are going to have to go in there and convince a government tribunal that they're going to be acting in your best interests. If they don't, the tribunal will appoint an independent party to represent you.
0: So much easier if you've got a document that literally says, these are the people I believe will be acting in my best interests. Like that's what those documents oh, Rachel, do. <laughs> the cost of not having
1: the appropriate documents in place can be significant and far outweigh the small cost and time involved in getting these drafted. Do
0: it early, do it
1: properly, bed it down and review it for significant changes in your life.
0: We've spoken a lot about checklists. You have some on your website, correct?
1: Well, checklists available on the website. So we've got uh, a getting started. So getting the conversation, starting to plan. There's a little booklet there that will help you with the key steps that you've got to go through. Okay. We've got the emergency contact details. We've got medical lists that you can just fill out, stick on the fridge. We've got checklists on your financial estate documents and so forth and your financial records. It's all about getting the house in order as early as you possibly can. These documents can be a good conversation starter and they can lead to end-of-life conversations, which then leads to getting help and preparing and getting in planning and putting everything in place. So it's a really good start. Where there is resistance about the power of attorney, don't take it personally. It's not a personal reflection. Well, it is, but it's not. Mm. okay so it's just fear
0: mm.
1: being armed with an understanding of what the power of attorney is and what the options are will help you work through that conversation really effectively
0: well make sure you head to agedcareplanners.com.au to get all of that information always good to have a little to-do list to just tick on through isn't it when you're sort of like I don't know where to start give me a
1: list <laughs> i tell you what a list helps you understand what it is you've got to do yes but more importantly it tracks your progress
0: mm. and it looks way less scary and it looks
1: way less scary <laughs> <laughs> yep.
0: next episode we're going to be looking at some of the early support that you can get at home so that you can make sure that you or the loved one that you're looking after can stay at home as long as possible and get the help to increase their independence. We will see you next episode. Thanks Rachel.